0: Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, as we come to the end of the liturgical year, the church invariably shares with us readings of a more apocalyptic nature. And indeed, we find literature of just this type in both the first reading and the gospel for this weekend. But you know what's funny? I realized something as I was preparing this homily that I've preached many, many times over the years on this great topic of the apocalyptic. I've talked about apocalypsis, right? To the unveiling, the showing forth of a new world, et cetera, et cetera. But then I remarked that short second reading from Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, which... I'm pretty sure I've never preached on in 30 years of priesthood. And I realized as I peruse it, what a little gem it is. And so I made a decision. You're not going to get a sermon on apocalyptic. If you want to look back at some of the older ones, you can find them. But you're going to get a sermon on 2 Thessalonians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the little Christian community that he had founded in this Greek seaside city of Thessalonica. I was there a few years ago recording for our um, Catholicism series, Beautiful City, and it goes back to ancient times. The first letter he wrote to this church, by the way, is the earliest Christian text we have, 1 Thessalonians, written sometime in the probably early 50s of the 1st century. Now, we know that Paul could soar to great theological heights in his letters, But this passage shows he could be pretty practical as well. You know what his theme is in this uh, little passage? For want of a better term, it's honest work. He reminds the Thessalonians that when he came among them to preach, he didn't rely on special gifts or expect privileges. Rather, he worked hard, here's his language, in toil and drudgery. So as not to burden them. So again, imagine Paul arriving in this town and he's there to preach the gospel. But while he was there, he didn't just do that, he also labored, he earned his keep. Now we happen to know what Paul's work was. He tells us he was a tent maker. Keep in mind how important that was in the ancient world as people are traveling or for their business or whatever it was, they needed uh, a shelter. And this was not easy work. Think about it now. It involved the preparing of skins, the sewing together of fabrics, lots of busy work. Indeed, as he puts it, lots of drudgery. I love the image, by the way, of Paul working hard alongside the very people that he was evangelizing. He wasn't in an ivory tower someplace. He was there working with them. Then he tells the Thessalonians that they should correlate work with their survival. Listen to him. We instructed you that if anyone was unwilling to work, neither should that one eat. Now, pretty bracing stuff. And then he scolds them in no uncertain terms. Listen. We hear that some of you are conducting yourselves in a disorderly way, by not keeping busy, but minding the business of others. Remember that old adage? My grandmother used to cite it. Idleness is the devil's workshop. Still true, isn't it? If we're not occupied with our own work, however simple, we tend to start drifting toward less savory occupations. So Paul is blunt with them. You know, some of you are just busy bodies, get busy. You know, I don't often agree with Sigmund Freud, but there's a saying of Freud's that I've always treasured. Someone asked the founder of modern psychology, what is the formula for happiness? So here's this, you know, great man known for working with people and trying to get them out of their anxiety and and depression. And Freud himself responded, laconically enough, in his German, Liebe und Arbeit, love and work. What's the key to happiness? Healthy relationships and satisfying work. Liebe und Arbeit, not bad. And I must say, in my years of of, uh, counseling people and the confessional, I'll often come back to that little line from Freud. When people have kind of lost their way and they feel that they're drifting or they're sad, I'll say, well, what's the quality of your Liebe and your Arbeit? What's the quality of your relationships? And are you finding your work satisfying? Now, one of the many accomplishments of St. John Paul II was the development of a kind of theology of work. And that's what I thought of now as I reread Paul in this little passage. The great Pope noted that too often we tend to relegate work to the purely secular realm. Or even at the limit to see it as a, just a punishment for sin. Some of my work, well yeah, that has nothing to do with my relationship to God, does it? It's just something I do to make a living or you know, put food on the table. Or I'll say, yeah, work is just this drudgery I've been assigned. But keep in mind, John Paul insisted, that Adam is given work to do before the fall. That's to say, when he was still living in right relationship to God. Remember, Adam is invited to till the soil of the garden. So we shouldn't see work as just drudgery we've been assigned because of sin. No, work is something that God gave us to do from the beginning. Now, to be sure, after the fall, work becomes more burdensome. But then again, so has everything else, right? All Everything else, our relationships and, and uh, uh, our play, I mean, everything else becomes more burdensome after the fall. But in itself, work is from God and is ingredient in God's purpose for us. So much of John Paul's theological anthropology, including the theology of the body, comes from these first chapters of the book of Genesis. We human beings are uniquely made in God's image and likeness. And this comes through, yes, even in our work. So that's what I want you to do now during this homily, is just meditate a bit, everyone, on the ordinary work that you do. And you say, oh, it's not very, you know, religious, or it's not very... Sacred, no, no, don't worry about that. Think of the ordinary work you do, and in some ways, the more ordinary, the better. Here's what John Paul, and I think behind him, Paul the Apostle wants us to see. When we do authentic work of, of whatever kind, however simple, we are participating in God's ongoing creation and providence. Let me say that again. If there's one thing to remember from my sermon, this is it, everybody. When you do authentic work of any kind, you are participating in God's ongoing creation and providence. Through our work, again, think of Adam tilling the soil. We have dominion over the earth. And I know how misunderstood this has been. So it doesn't have a thing to do with domination, with human beings kind of lording it over and taking advantage of creation. No, no. Dominion here in the Bible means something like stewardship and upbuilding. So all of our work is a way of of caring for creation, building it up, participating in God's own purposes. I love this in John Paul, who as many have pointed out, is one of the only popes at least in recent years who did in his lifetime hard physical labor. You know, those years when he was a college student and during the Nazi occupation, when he worked as in the quarry and the chemical factory. I mean, John Paul did hard physical labor, but he also referred to his writing desk. And here's one of the great writers of of the 20th century. He referred to his writing desk as his intellectual workbench. I must say that that little phrase has stayed in my mind ever since I read it. And whenever I come to my computer and I'm sitting down to write a sermon or an article or a book or something. I think of that. It's my intellectual workbench, building up God's creation, participating in God's purposes. Moreover, John Paul says, through work, we realize our implicit powers. We awaken to our full potential intellectually and physically it's a a cool point isn't it because notice how lethargic one becomes in the absence of satisfying work you know nothing's challenging you nothing is calling forth your your response nothing is stirring into uh, life your energies That's why, you know, we all love going on vacation, as I do. But I must confess, by the end of a vacation, I'm usually getting kind of antsy because I wanted to get back to work. And I don't see work as, oh, this terrible burden. No, at the end of the vacation, when I've, you know, I've relaxed enough and all that, I'm eager to get back in the game, to get engaged. John Paul, you know, is far more interested in the subject of work than in the object of work. You see what I'm driving in? It's not so much the thing produced that matters, it's the dignity of the one who produces. And it's work that affirms that dignity. More to it, John Paul says, work is inevitably a social activity. Now, now for a couple reasons. One is because it usually draws us together with other laborers in a common enterprise. You know, I think of all the people that work with me at Word on Fire, so I do work in different ways, but there's all sorts of collaborators, right, co-workers with me. Well, most of our work has that quality. But think, too, a second reason. Work, perforce produces something for consumption. So a shoe manufacturer is not interested simply in making money, but in providing a social need. He, his work looks to the other. The work I'm doing at Word on Fire is meant, you know, for you. It's meant to go out and be consumed. And so work draws us into a social stance. John Paul was very much at home with the classical Benedictine ideal of aura et labora, right? Prayer and work in a healthy rhythm. Work is not an addendum to Benedictine life, but it's essential to it. It wasn't so much that it's it's other than prayer, but a complement to prayer one leading naturally to the other. And I think that's a good thing, not just for Benedictine monks to think about, but for all of us, the rhythm of prayer and work. Isn't it fascinating now, as I close, that St. Paul, precisely in the context of a letter to his church on spiritual matters, endeavors to speak of work. So don't follow the instinct of our society today to secularize work. But rather, see your daily labor, everybody, however humble, as part of God's plan to bring you fully to life and fully to joy. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.